0: Your favorite source for Chicago White Sox talk, delivering news, interviews, analysis, and more. This is the Sox Machine
1: podcast with your hosts, Jim Margulis, James Vegan, and Josh Nelson. Thanks, Rob, and welcome to the Sox Machine podcast. I'm your host Josh Nelson, and it's Wednesday night, February 21st, 2024. You might be wondering, another Sox Machine podcast Yes, our latest episode, I sat down with Crane Chicago reporter, Justin Lawrence, who broke the initial story of what Jerry Reinsdorf of the Chicago White Sox were asking for in a new stadium proposal in the South Loop. Then Jerry Reinsdorf went to Springfield to chat with the Speaker of the House and the Senate President. The talks were cordial, but nobody from the government side showed their cards in favor or against what was being proposed. On Wednesday, Jerry Reinstorf had lunch with Crane Chicago's Greg Hines, who always does an amazing job of getting the fine details of anything that's going on in the city of Chicago. Here is the latest from Hines' reporting. Financing the stadium will cost $1.1 billion, but there's an extra $900 million needed that we haven't discussed for infrastructure work. A reminder from the previous episode... RELATED MIDWEST already has 551 million in tip funds reserved to help build a new CTA Red Line stop on the property and move train tracks around. They would need it sounds like an additional 900 million for the rest of the infrastructure on the property. The goal is to have a new stadium built and ready for the 2028 season, which is hyper aggressive. So the White Sox need 1.8 to 2 billion dollars to build a new stadium. The 78 project will need an additional $2 billion to build a hotel, apartments, condos, and a retail section. We thought the ask was $1.2 billion a day ago, but it's really $4 billion for the entire project to match what Related Midwest and Jerry Reinsdorf are pitching to lawmakers. The Chicago City Council met on Wednesday, and after the meeting, Chicago Mayor Brandon Johnson When speaking to reporters, did not shut down any of the proposed financing ideas for this project. According to the Chicago Tribune, he's keeping the door open, which is interesting. Outside of the ask is why Jerry Reinsdorf is making this request now for this location. From Heinz's report, the ask from Jerry Reinsdorf is threefold. One, Jerry Reinsdorf does not believe the current location in Bridgeport can generate the type of revenue to sign top ball players. Two, Jerry Reinsdorf is worried that without a stadium deal, when he passes away, his son Michael Reinstorf, the current Chicago Bulls president, will sell the team. Whoever buys the White Sox could move them out of Chicago, say Nashville, which Jerry keeps bringing up no matter how many times. Our Jim Margulis has said that's not going to happen. The third point a new White Sox stadium will anchor the significant development in the South Loop of Chicago, which Related Midwest is still pitching the idea. It will generate $4 billion in economic impact and $200 million in tax revenue. These estimates come from private studies paid for by, you guessed it, Related Midwest. Jerry's ultimate end game is moving the White Sox from Bridgeport to the South Loop by the 2028 season And signing a 30 or longer year lease with the ISFA, the Illinois Sports Facility Authority, which would keep the White Sox at Chicago. That's at least his pitch. And I know I'm not alone when I say I don't buy it. I live in Bridgeport. I drive through the South Loop and this stadium's planned location often. I just don't know how you generate this type of revenue in this location. The entire South Loop we need to dramatically change to come close to these numbers. Also, I think if the White Sox do move out of Bridgeport, another developer is going to buy these parking lots and build them out, as Chinatown Overflow is already taking over Bridgeport. There's a great need for more housing options in the neighborhood. The White Sox could move, and then you'll have what looks like a ballpark village next to an empty ballpark. That's just my opinion, but there are experts in this field that have been covering public finance sports stadiums for years, and our James Feegan sat down with Neil DeMauze.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
3: All right. Uh, we're very thrilled to have here on the Sox Machine podcast, uh, the award-winning journalist and the auth- co-author of the seminal work on stadium financing's field of schemes uh, and the proprietor of the website that keeps us up to date on stadium financing. What's really being said, uh, Neil DeMauze. Neil, thank you so much for, uh, for joining us. Happy to be here. Since I perused your website, I know that you're kind of already well-versed on what the the most recent white Sox ask is but um i guess to to start out what what kind of jumped out at you at the uh at the potentially record-setting uh request in, in public financing that they made or- yeah
2: i mean i guess yeah the the number is really kind of the 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 biggest uh eye-popping part of it right i mean this is a site that already as i understand it had about 700 million dollars worth of property tax kickbacks attached to it when it was first approved a couple years ago Um, And now they're talking about potentially a billion dollars in between hotel taxes and uh, sales taxes, Um, hotel taxes, citywide sales taxes just on the site that would be kicked back to uh, provide that. So you put those together and you got one point seven billion dollars. And that's a number that, you know, as large as some of the other numbers we've been seeing, you know, one point two billion for the Titan Stadium and public money. Uh, I think it was about one point one for the Buffalo Bills. Um, 1.7 is an awful lot, uh, especially, you know, when the current stadium, whatever else you want to say about it, it's not ancient, right? Um, this, we're not talking about like the Bills, whether we're playing in a stadium that's uh, 50 years old. Um, this is something that's fairly modern and was redone not all that long ago. So, uh, um, you know, I guess the other thing that stood out was the fact that Jerry Reinsdorf sort of kicked all this all off by going and visiting the mayor of Nashville. Um, when he was down there for the owners' meetings, and uh, you know that's something the that teams do all the time, but it's especially remarkable because Jerry Reinsdorf kind of invented this, right? You know, the first time that they were trying to get a new stadium back in the in the '80s, um, when the Illinois legislature was debating it, uh, Reinsdorf went down to Tampa Bay, met with the you know elected officials there at the time. that Tampa Bay didn't have a team yet, and came back and then got the stadium approved, and then later said. You, you know, he wasn't serious. When asked what he, whether he was serious about it said, well, a savvy negotiator creates leverage. So, you know, it's it's kind of remarkable that he's using the exact same trick over again, even after revealing how it was done.
3: I, I thought it was interesting, a choice, especially because it seemed like the national mayor had been pretty outspoken in the Tennessee Titans deal about being resistant to being willing to offer up public funding. I don't know how much of it is is, is posturing, but it, it seemed like a particularly unlikely uh, bid that he was making, but still something that he found purposeful to do.
2: It doesn't have to be serious. That's sort of one of the things I think that sports team owners have realized is you don't have to have a serious move threat. You just have to have, you know, something that you can say. I remember the Pittsburgh Penguins, Mary Lemieux talking about moving to Kansas City. That wasn't going to happen either. You know, we've seen the Diamondbacks owners sort of talk vaguely about moving to... Las Vegas or Utah or Vancouver or someplace like that. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's something you just sort of throw out there and it, it almost doesn't matter whether or not you're serious. You just need to get people talking about, well, we can't risk it. And, uh, and, you know, that at least sort of opens the door to conversations. You know, I was just looking at a, at a Facebook group about uh, the Royal Stadium controversy, another one that's going on right now. And everybody was saying, you know, would it, would it be terrible if the team left? no one has even rumored where the Royals might go, right? They haven't been talking about going anywhere outside of the Kansas City area, but already it's like, you know, oh, what would happen if the team moved out of town? So it's kind of just the thing that that uh, sticks in people's brains. People have watched Major League too much or something.
3: My next bullet point was to ask if the, the size of the ask is unusual, and obviously it is because it's, you know, record setting. Obviously these figures are always accelerating, but it's both the the scale of it Uh, really a new plane or is it kind of in keeping with what we've been seeing?
2: I would say a little of both, right? In that it is absolutely a, you know, a new benchmark in terms of the ask. Um, But we've been seeing numbers go up and up and up for years and especially in the last few years, right? I mean, it wasn't that long ago that the Raiders were getting $750 million from Nevada for a new stadium. And it was like, wow, that's a crazy number. And then the Bills and the Titans blew past the billion-dollar barrier. Um, and, you know, the Orioles are potentially getting a billion dollars. It's, you know, the sky is really the limit right now. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of a a, a crazy number. But, you know, again, it you don't get if you don't ask. And I think that they clearly see, well, this is something they can sell, not just as a stadium, but as a whole new neighborhood. And it's not, you know, aside from the hotel taxes, it's not raising taxes. It's just... Kicking back taxes that otherwise would go to the general fund, so um, yeah, I mean, I think that they they are, you know, Reinsdorf and, and uh, the White Sox execs are thinking this is something that we can we can at least get a hearing on, right? Um, which clearly already ha- just happened. So you know, I don't know. I mean, we'll see how well it goes, but you know, a big part of the stadium deals is kind of the notion of anchoring, right? The same way that you know, companies will sell a product by saying, uh, you know, you would pay $79.99 for this in a store, but we're offering to to you for $19.99, right? As soon as you hear that $79.99, then you're like, oh, wow, well, $19.99 isn't so bad. And it could be possible that they will come back and say, okay, we're not going to ask for, you know, a billion seven, we'll ask for a billion two. And everyone's like, oh, wow, that's great. We're saving half a
3: billion dollars. Having worked in both TV news and sports news, I feel like there's been a lot of cases where you're handed stories where because you don't have competence in your experience in the industry, you just kind of get this figure and you kind of repeat it. So I feel like the Rheinsdorf or uh, the White Sox claiming there's no new taxes, I'd probably there's not the level of governmental financial literacy present in a lot of sports journalism. I mean, I'm straining for it. Uh, I, like, I, at least I know the trick is coming. Um, how how do you unpack what that really means and, and, and how often is that kind of that tact used?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's hard for sports journalists who don't have necessarily the financial background, and then it's also hard for news journalists, right, who don't have the sports background and don't understand all of the uh, all the ins and outs of, you know, how financing, how money works right in the sports world. So, yeah, I mean, it, they're, they're definitely trying to sell this as a, okay, we know it looks like a lot of tax money, but really it's not tax money. And that's sort of where this whole, uh, this, this TIF taxing refinancing thing comes in, which obviously a lot of people in Chicago are familiar with. But, uh, you know, the idea is we're not asking for public money. We're just asking that instead of paying you the taxes we would normally pay you, property taxes, sales taxes, we get to keep it. Now, if you think about it for a second, right? If one of us were to say that, I don't want money from the government, I just want you to return my income taxes back to me, right? It's the same thing, right? It's the exact same thing to the person not paying taxes. Um, but you can claim that there's sort of this idea of, well, it's just not paying taxes and that wouldn't exist if uh, if uh, the you know, project warrant developed, right? It wouldn't be paying property taxes. It wouldn't be paying sales taxes. Sure, but those people who would be going and buying White Sox tickets or hot dogs or anything else, you know, in this South Loop site, if that isn't built, would be going and buying White Sox tickets and hot dogs and other things somewhere else in the city. So it really is just moving money from one place to another, except before this project, is potentially built those people buying things are paying taxes on it and now it will suddenly be tax-free and all those taxes will be kept by the uh you know by the uh the white Sox and the developers um so it's you know it's a real it's a it's a real problem um you know not just in sports but all over the place um that you know developers are selling this as it's a free lunch and you know every economist will tell you if anybody tells you it's a free lunch then hold on to your wallet
3: I guess like one of the ways I guess I've tried to explain it is that, you know, if they could generate all this public money through extensions that they theoretically could use it for other public needs. Is that realistic? Is it, are there, you know, appropriations or earmarkings for this that it could only be used on like development projects or, you know, is, is there is, is there is this sapping away from from public resources in a way that, you know, it could be perceived as.
2: There's two pieces to it. The hotel tax, as I understand it, um, could be is going to expire and could be renewed for anything that the legislature decides it to, to, right? You know, the legislature could just vote and say, um, we're gonna when the hotel tax is done, we're gonna have a new hotel tax and we're gonna use it for something else, some other needs. Or it could say, we're going to not renew the hotel tax and just, you know, uh uh make it cheaper on people staying in hotels and maybe increase the hotel business because more people will want to stay in Chicago. The the other piece is again, it's a little bit trickier because people, you know, it aren't paying sales taxes if they're not on that site, if not going to that site, but they are somewhere else. And I think this is a big problem with TIFS. And there's been a lot of reporting, you know, in Chicago I know, about the degree to which tax increment financing districts have sort of created this Swiss cheese map of property taxes in Chicago, where you know you used to have the entire city paying property taxes, and now there are so many holes in it because developers have been given, okay, we'll kick you back your property taxes, you don't have to pay any, that the rest of this remaining part of the city has to shoulder the entire property tax load. So that's another way to look at it, right? If a whole bunch of people move to this new neighborhood and it's not paying property taxes, Who's paying for the schools for the kids who live there, right? Because it's not them.
3: So, as is typical for these, there's a you know economic impact report that comes alongside of it. You no, know, there was a big figure in their initial presentation, and yesterday, um, you know, the White Sox issue statement where they included something from related Midwest, where they said that they will bring 10,000 construction jobs and 22,000 permanent new jobs to the city, as well as touting you know long-term uh, benefits of having a tourist attraction in this area. What do we make of these? What 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 should a, a common person make of these? Because these figures are seemingly pulled out of, of thin air. How grounded? I,
2: I think seemingly is probably understating it. Yeah, I mean, th- these numbers are are literally pulled out of thin air, right? You know, they're consulting reports, they're PR documents, um, and the, you know, I, I've talked to people who've, who've produced them, and the goal is not to try to figure out. What the actual number is going to be? The goal is to find a way to justify a number that'll make the project look reasonable. Um, you know, a friend of mine who used to work for a uh, for a uh, consulting company we compared it to the old Calvin and Hobbes cartoon where Calvin is uh, is uh, doing a report um, that, about how bats are giant bugs, and Hobbes looks at him and he's like, "I don't I don't know if that's really true." And he says, "Oh, don't worry about it. I've look I've got a clear plastic binder to put my report in." I'm guaranteed to get an A. It did not work out, spoiler, <laughs> for Calvin very well, but um it often works out really well for uh for sports teams and developers because, you know, legislators are unfortunately uh really swayed by clear plastic binders, regardless of what's inside them.
3: I mean my first thought is that creating permanent jobs with this White Sox stadium is aren't aren't permanent jobs being pulled away from when they pull out of Bridgeport. I know there's plans yep. to be put a you know soccer stadium there but i can't imagine even even if that one was thought through that that would really sustain the same level
2: right and then you're pulling the soccer team out of out of soldier field right i mean it's 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 just shuffling things around um and honestly s- sports teams don't create an awful lot of jobs right um that first of all the most of the money goes towards the players um so it's really 26 jobs um and a lot of those players live outside the city so they you know when they you know Earn their paychecks, they don't immediately go out and go grocery shopping and, you know, <laughs> buy up lots of stuff in the neighborhood, keep a lot of it and spend it in Florida in the winter. You know, on top of that, yeah, the, uh, the the average sports stadium, I think the estimate was that does about the same amount of business as like a mid-sized supermarket, which isn't nothing. But again, you have to remember people may be spending $50 a ticket, but they're only doing it once a day when the team is home during the season and the rest of the year, you know, other 360, 70 days a year, sorry, 260, 70 days a year, um, it's empty. So, uh, so it really is not a huge economic catalyst. The rest of the development might be, um, but the rest of the development seems like it was, you know, they Chicago already gave $700 million in tax breaks for that. I don't, particularly know why the white Sox coming is going to make a neighborhood in that site more viable than it was otherwise
3: i guess was like the would the case be like putting the stadium here will justify a bunch of infrastructure investment that otherwise they were not getting over the hump or somehow is that kind of what the argument would be
2: I mean, but the infrastructure is all getting paid for by the kickbacks, the tax right. money. So, right, so it's like, yeah. I mean, I guess you're saying, well, it's sort of like what the A's were saying when they were going to build a Howard Terminal on, on the waterfront in Oakland. Um, is like, well, you know, we'll you know develop all this transportation infrastructure and everything, and you know, we'll use it both for a stadium and for um, you know housing and other sort of multi-purpose uses, which is fine. But it, that still doesn't cut down on the fact that you're asking the public for a billion dollars or more. And you know the fact that you're talking about a billion dollars in new tax breaks on top of the old ones, it's like so really so adding the White Sox to this and moving them is going to be is worth spending an extra billion dollars in city and state money. You really have to show your numbers there. And you know a, a one screen showing <laughs> here's how many jobs will be created without any footnotes and or any uh, you know documentation is really not sufficient.
3: So I guess an element of it that I was very curious about and wondering if it was something that made for and if what would be be effective for them is the structuring the deal where it would take care of the bears like stadium debt financing one (laughs) can you help me understand that and two is is that something that's politically i don't know convincing to do to legislators who are trying to maybe push that obligation down the road
2: I mean, political, politically convincing, I couldn't begin to guess not being an Illinois legislator. But um, as far as understanding how it works, my understanding is, is it's like refinancing your mortgage, right? You know, if you still own your mortgage and you you know, refinance it to pay off your current mortgage and then go buy a new house, that's kind of what you're doing. Um, but the overall amount that you're spending is still the same, right? So you're going to have to be putting aside some money to pay off the uh, what's currently owed on Soldier Field and on the White Sox Park before you start paying off the new stadium, which again is fine, um, you know, in terms of like how you borrow money, that's not a problem, but it doesn't really save you money anywhere, right? It just says, okay, we're going to pay off this current debt before we pay off the other debt. Um, that's, that's why I, I, I sometimes am... A little bit hesitant to say, you know, oh, it's terrible if you, you know, are building a new stadium when you still haven't paid off the old one. It really doesn't matter all that much, right? You know, what order you pay things off in. Um, it's just about how much money that you're spending, and uh, you know, that's my real concern here is that you know, you you still have the debt on the old one. That is something that is still, you know, is not going to go away regardless of how you refinance it, and then you're going to have to spend, you know. Uh, hundred, sorry, a billion dollars in new money on top of the 700 million in the property tax kickbacks. So, you know, I, again, I, I, it's an interesting sort of mechanism that they're using and maybe it'll make some people feel a little bit better, but I would hope that most legislators would be able to see through, oh, yay, we're going to pay off Soldier Field and be, we're paying off Soldier Field by taking on a whole bunch of new debt. That really doesn't help.
3: I guess, does it, does it kick the can down the road for them in some way Or if you're, sure, you know, you're worried I mean, about your term,
2: I guess? Sure. I mean, you know, I mean, that's, that's always the the way you want to do it is make sure that, uh, that, you know, your children are paying for it or you, that your children are in office by then, you know, something like that. Um, so I, I don't know. I, 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 we're still really early in the game here, right? You know, it's just been proposed. I imagine that, if something gets built on that site, it may not be on that site, it may be somewhere else, it may not look like that, it may not have this financing plan. That's usually the way these things go, right? Is that by the time you eventually get to something that can agree on, that can be agreed on, you know, it, it's not exactly what was proposed in the first place. So some of this is just, you know, uh uh trial balloons um and seeing what gets shot down. And if this gets shot down or part of it gets shot down, I am absolutely sure. Jerry Reinsdorf is, will be happy to say, Oh, I can't have that billion dollars. How about some other billion dollars?
3: I guess that, that leads me into two possible directions. Is one, how do you, it seems like a likely way for this to play out, but also it seems like Jerry Reinsdorf has done this successfully before. Um, is, is this something, you know, has demonstrated history that, you know, makes this a, a likely thing to be successful as audacious as it sounds to us?
2: Yeah, I mean, that's kind of his 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 core strength, right? I mean, not only did he do it for the White Sox, but he actually did it for the Nationals because MLB still on the Expos at the time they were negotiating with uh, Washington, D.C. And I, I would have to go back and check, but I'm pretty sure that he was one of the people in the room when they met with the mayor of D.C. at the time that the mayor said, okay, well, we'd love to have you come to town in terms of building a stadium. We were thinking about a two-thirds public, one-third private split. And then either Reinsdorf or somebody else in the room, I think it was Reinsdorf was the one who responded with, oh, yeah, we were thinking three thirds, no thirds (laughs) and got away with it pretty much. Um, So, yes, this is clearly something he's very experienced at. On the other hand, he's also, you know, making a tremendous ask uh, of something that's going to require the approval of both the city and the state. Um, so he's got a couple of different, you know, he has a mayor to convince, a governor to convince, a, a council to convince, a, a legislature to convince. So, you know, we'll see. I mean, I, I you know, there certainly wasn't a uh, a uh, celebratory announcement after the meeting they just had with the folks in the legislature, um, which could be they're just playing things close to the vest or it could be that they still got a ways to go. Um, we really just don't know yet. So I, I, I would say it's even just looking at historical cases, I think it's way too early to say what's going to happen. I mean, if you would asked me a year and a half ago about what was going on with the Oakland A's, I would have said, well, they're clearly going to get this new stadium in Oakland because, you know, they've just gone so far and they've gotten, you know, most of the money approved and it's just obviously happening. And if you would ask asked me six months ago, I might have said, oh, well, clearly they're moving to Las Vegas. They just got all this money approved and they've got a plan. And now who knows where they're going to go? So... Um, you know, I, I, I would hesitate to place any, uh, any bets unless you got really good odds on what's going to happen with the White Sox in the end.
3: We can always look to the A's as a reminder that life is chaos. Um, <laughs> what is there, I guess I'm speaking to an audience of people who care probably to an inordinate degree about sports and baseball and think it's maybe more important than they, that they should. That would also be me. <laughs> sure. Um, as a baseball I
2: mean, fan, not just as someone who writes about this,
3: I'm out here in Arizona talking to relievers about pitch mix. So, like, I, I'm I representative of America's obsession with sports. Do you see any tide turning or people understanding, uh, you know, the costs of you know supporting kind of whatever the team wants at all? I mean, the Nashville mayor is an example, but are, are you seeing any 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 pushback to this mounting up over the years?
2: You know, it's interesting. When uh, my co-author Jonah Kagan and I first started researching this over twenty-five years ago, we were under the impression that, you know, it was, you know, on one side were people who were concerned about public spending, and on the other side were sports fans who just want to see whatever is good for the team. And we very quickly were, you know, discovered that we were completely wrong, which we should have realized, both being sports fans ourselves. But you know, there are plenty of sports fans who are out there saying you know I pay enough for tickets I don't see why I should have to give my tax money as well or you know Jerry Reinsdorf has mismanaged this team enough I don't know why we should give him even more money um you know sports fans are are generally pretty savvy at least about you know their ownership and about uh and about you know who's who would be getting the money in, in which case um and I think honestly it's not going to help him any more than it's helping John Fisher owner of the A's um get money approved that the fact that the white Sox right now are not a team that anybody's going to be really excited about giving money to right you know i mean they're let's put it charitably they're in a downswing okay um and that's not something that's going to get people excited about like uh you know oh man you know we've got to make sure that we keep the team we keep it you know give it enough money to uh to be able to retain all these great players that they have when you know the great players they have are you know uh Nicky Lopez I think is the second baseman nothing against Nikki Lopez I saw him hit a home run against the Mets last year and pitch an inning but you know he's 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 not going to be the missing piece that uh sends
3: him to the World Series I mean it sounds like a weird thing to base billions in public spending around but would this be if they were winning if they're coming off four straight playoff appearances do you think this would be almost a entirely different conversation based on how it's covered
2: I think it would be easier yeah um i think there, right there are two ways that you can if you're a team owner you can go about this one is my team is so terrible that we will never win if we don't get a new stadium and the other is my team is so great that we deserve a new stadium you know to to, that will match the glory of our team um the yankees were great at saying that and the latter one works a lot better if only because if you're trying to get people afraid of losing the team or excited about a new home for the team If you're trying, there need to be actual fans who care. Um, And right now, you know, for the White Sox and the A's and a bunch of other teams, the Royals probably, there just aren't that many, many fans who care that much, you know, they're just like, eh, you know, if, uh, it's, it's not really, you know, this, this is not my, my priority or, you know, even, even if you're a diehard fan, it's not like you're going to get really excited about, you know, well, I have faith that Jerry Reinsdorf is the guy who can, you know, make this thing happen and make it work. So, I mean, sorry, the long way around, but like, I I think the answer is there's a little more skepticism and there's a little more awareness, certainly, than there was 25, 30 years ago of some of the economic studies and some of the, you know, it has been reported a little bit more that, you know, everything shows that these deals are boondoggles. But, you know, unfortunately, what the fans think or what taxpayers think is not necessarily what is going to hold sway, right? It's what uh, elected officials think. And that is going to depend on you know, who the people are, what the people are saying at the parties that they go to. And uh, unfortunately, that hasn't changed an awful lot in, in the last, you know, 20, 30 years. So um, I don't know. I mean, the upside, again, is that there are a lot of hurdles that the White Sox have to jump through before they can get their $1.7 billion. The other side is that. Even if they fail this year, even if they fail next year, they only have to win once, right? I mean, the Minnesota Twins spent 10 years not getting a new stadium, and then once they managed to find the right formula that they were able to get it approved, and now they got their new stadium, and it doesn't matter all the times they lost.
3: Is there a way to get people to – how would you try to express in 30 seconds or a minute – what the cost would be of just like, you know, throwing public money because I feel like it's hard for people to see the immediate cause and effect relationship of what this does to the budget or what services get, you know, degraded as a result of this. But how do you, you know, make it real for people?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think money is money, right? I mean, with property taxes, it's directly coming out of the school's budget. Um, And with everything else, you know, that sales tax money is money that the city could have to spend on literally anything else um, or the state. And, uh, and uh, you know, it's not like you can point to one thing and say, you know, they're not, they can't afford to do this because uh, because they're building a stadium, but you could point to literally anything. You know, if there's any project that the city is saying, oh, we don't have enough money to pay for, then that's something that could be considered if you weren't spending it on on this big development. You know, again, going back to the very beginnings of this, we got started in this because Joanna's from Cleveland, and Cleveland was talking about building a new stadium for the Browns at a time when its schools were literally in receivership because they were so poorly run. And Rudy Giuliani was mayor of New York and was talking about a new stadium for the Yankees. At the same time, he was closing libraries because he said there wasn't enough money for it to pay for libraries. And it kind of stood out as, huh, you seem to have enough money for this one thing and not the other. And I guess the last thing I would say on this is just, even if you think a new stadium would be a good idea, right? Um, I've, I've been to the current White Sox stadium. It's not my favorite. I don't know that the new one would be any better necessarily but you know you could certainly make an argument for the idea that it might be nice is when you are asked for 1.7 billion dollars should the first response be yeah okay or should it be well we don't have 1.7 billion dollars What can we offer you that's a lot less than that, right? You start with a a lower price because I am sure that Jerry Reinsdorf is not asking for this money because if he got $1.65 billion, it would be completely impossible for him to pay for this, right? There is probably a price point somewhere lower that he would be willing and able to accept. And the job of elected officials is at the very least, even if they're not gonna say no, to say, okay, well, we're gonna try and give you as little as possible that's because that's kind of our job is not to just throw public money around willy-nilly. Um, so, you know, we'll see. I mean, it's not that often that uh, elected officials play that kind of hardball, um, but it's been done and it can be done. And, you know, usually the first way you do it is by saying no to the initial ask, like in any negotiation. You know, like if you're dealing with your three-year-old, can I have ice cream for dinner five nights a week? No. Can I have it four nights a week? No. <laughs> and that's where the real negotiating begins. <laughs>
3: That's, that's, the, that's the secret of business right there. And parenting. Neil, thank you so much for for joining us. I so appreciate uh, getting your insight. It's uh, very valuable, and hopefully, um, it'll get through to our audience a bit. But thank you again. Uh, sure thing.
1: I appreciate it. That will do it for this episode of the Sox Machine Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You can subscribe to the Sox Machine Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, such as Spotify and Apple Music. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Machine and follow us on social media at Socks Machine. You can follow James Feigen on social media at jr and follow me at Socks Machine underscore Josh. If you enjoy our work, you can get more by becoming a Patreon supporter at patreon.com slash Machine. Our Patreon supporters make it possible to send James all the way down to Arizona to continue covering the Chicago White Sox spring training. We've been getting great content and great insight as well. So thank you to your support to making that happen. If you haven't signed up a Patreon yet, to gain full access of our White Sox coverage, go to patreon.com slash Sox Machine. And monthly plans start at $5. And you will save money as well on an annual subscription. The Sox Machine Podcast is a production of SoxMachine.com. You're on for all things Chicago White Sox baseball. Alongside James Feigen, I'm Josh Nelson. Thanks for listening.